Hello and welcome to another edition of the Philly Sports Angle podcast. I'm Kirsten. It's Monday, which you know what that means. Another new episode of Philly Sports Angle. Thanks for joining us. We have a lot to talk about, so I'm looking forward to getting to some awesome topics. I don't know about you guys, but it's a little bit of a rough Monday for me. A little tired as uh, this weekend was opening weekend, and Eagles did in fact win yesterday. They are undefeated. They have won their they have won their last four openers, which is actually incredible. And I'm not sure if any of you guys were scared yesterday. I was a little bit nervous. I knew it would be rough. I knew going in that they wouldn't be on top of their game because none of the starters played in the preseason games. And this is another topic, I guess, for another discussion. But, I mean, I don't think that there should be four weeks of preseason. And I know this is just to make cuts and give people a chance to make the team. But it also doesn't make sense to have four weeks when I think at least some of the starters should be playing in those games. They are getting paid. It is their job. At least play maybe half a quarter or whatever whatever the standard should be. So, obviously, in the first half, it was quickly 20 nothing Washington, which was a shocking surprise because the Eagles were picked ahead um, going into the game, and Washington showed up. I give them credit. They really showed up in the first half. Eagles' defense got beat. Their secondary looked crappy, and they just didn't have it. Wentz wasn't able to complete. Three and outs, three and outs, three and outs, punt, punt, punt. Uh, it was a quick a quick half for Case Keenum. you got to give him some credit. The guy did it, had a great first half. He looked to be in his 2017 season form when he did he did take the Minnesota Vikings to the NFC, NFC Championship game against the Eagles. But I want to talk about what the big news was yesterday with the return of Deshaun Jackson. Uh, Jackson, as you know, it's been five years since he last stepped on the field as an Eagle when Chip Kelly did in fact give him up. But Deshaun was awaiting this return as he talked about for months and let me tell you, did not disappoint. The crowd went wild when he exited the the tunnel, and I honestly wish I could have been there. It looked so electric. If you have time, to look up the video of Deshaun exiting the tunnel yesterday. It's all over the, Philly, the, the Eagles' um, social media. So really, uh, take a look at that. But Deshaun absolutely destroyed yesterday. And Wentz proved that he is... Not all that bad at the long ball. He Wentz has been judged for his his lack of ability to throw the long ball. Shook off the rust after halftime. Deshaun was apparently a part of getting the team fired up, and Wentz ended up throwing for 313 yards and three touchdowns. You know he looked like the Wentz we all knew, the Wentz we the 2017 Wentz, the Wentz before the ACL injury, and um, you know it was unreal. Jackson had 154 yards and a pair of. 50-plus touchdown catches, which is actually absolutely incredible. I mean, as Eagles fans, we haven't really seen Wentz been able to throw to such a, um, a threat down you know, down the field, and I think this is absolutely great for Wentz, and it will sh- allow him to stretch his abilities, allows him to keep learning and improving, and it will allow Philly to have that threat that they didn't have before and be able to do that long ball. Um, I'm just so excited to see how Deshaun... Um, you know, is an addition to this offense. I don't think he could do the long ball two times every week, um, but I think it's something that they can go to on third and down that really trick the secondaries on other teams and 
And bottom line is Deshaun will just beat them, which I think is absolutely incredible. And I love the matchup of him versus somebody. I love to see those matchups, and he loves those matchups as you see him talking smack against his old team. But what a great game in the second half. I mean, if they played the second half like they did yesterday, they do all season, man, I'm excited. Um, I'm excited to see, to see what happens. We're, we're going to hop over the defense, and a couple things happened. Obviously, I think they need to work a lot on their secondary. Rasul Douglas makes a few plays. Malcolm Jenkins did a good few plays. He looked a little rusty, and I don't know if that's because of the whole rusting, I didn't play preseason kind of thing, or if he just needs to get his feet under him. Uh, Malcolm Jenkins is a great leader, a great player, and I know he will get back to it, but obviously the secondary needs a little bit of work, maybe a little bit of midseason pickups, a little bit of more catches, whatever it takes, but um, they got beat a little bit in the first half and in the second half as they did end up letting up a, a touchdown to the Redskins, which in the final minutes of the game, which didn't matter, but um, shouldn't have happened. They shouldn't have been able to hold them. That's not something that they should have let up. Obviously, Malik Jackson got hurt. Yesterday, Malik Jackson is the defensive tackle that the Birds went out and got over the offseason for big money, $30 million a year, to try and build up that line. And of course, and unfortunately, Doug Peterson announced that his injury was significant and he's undergoing more tests. Now, let's hope it's not too significant that he misses the whole season. Let's hope that he can come back. But it's just sad because, you know, he, paid, he played 50% of the snaps yesterday and had a great, great game. And, of course, he gets hurt in the first game of the season, and we can we don't really get to see his true potential. So prayers up for Malik Jackson. Hopefully he gets a fast return. I also quickly want to jump into Zach Ertz, as Zach Ertz is on my fantasy team. I don't know how many of you guys are doing fantasy out there who are listening, but I got crushed this weekend. Anyway, Zach did get me points, so thank you, Zach Ertz. But it was weird because last, you know, last year, when Wentz was playing, he threw to Ertz a lot. He didn't really have another person to throw to. He, you know, he was throwing Ertz. Ertz got the most catches, you know, in any tight end. He had a great, phenomenal year. And at first half, I'm like, and, you know, they weren't really throwing to to Ertz. And I was like, huh, this is interesting, considering I thought Ertz was one of his main targets. Didn't really throw to Ertz a lot. Finally, in the second half, we started to see it, him hit more targets him, you know, get more yards, and I, you know, Ertz is a great tight end, and so is Goddard, and um, it's just really interesting to see how much Zach Ertz will be used now with the stacked wide receivers like Deshaun Jackson, and obviously the return of Jeffrey and Aguilar, but, you know, Ertz was just a staple of the team last year, and it's really interesting to me to see how much he will be used this year, but only time will tell, I guess. I'm hoping they obviously lose him a lot for my fantasy team, but also for the Eagles, um, in the end, and I'm really hopeful to see um, Zach do well because obviously, what a great guy! You obviously intend to root for the great guys, and so many of the guys in the Eagles are great guys. So, I also briefly want to talk about the use of Darren Sproles because many people on Twitter, many fans all over the place on social media were really up in arms about the use of Darren Sproles. They thought he was overused. Um, you know, Darren Sproles is sized for another year for a million dollars, and you know, on the list on paper, he's the third. Back um, behind Corey Clement and Miles Sanders, young guys who the, you know, Corey Clement they had who was hurt last year, but then obviously Miles Sanders who they went out and got, and Jordan Howard who they went out and got, and I just think it's really, a lot of fans are upset that they, you know, chose Sproles over these guys, and, you know, my thought is, Sproles is a great guy to do a punt return and different things, I don't know if he should be in the first rotation, 
I love the guy. I want to see him do well. I think they should be switching him out and not overusing one guy versus the other and making it this whole discussion. And Doug Peterson was asked that question last night, and he said that a lot of the plays ended up going, um, you know, Sproles' way. A lot of plays are assigned to certain running backs, and they ended up just going Sproles' way. And, you know, Peterson said he just picked the, you know, happened to pick the plays that uh, Sproles was in. And, I, you know, it's it's one thing, but I think having such deep running backs will be beneficial to them in the season if they can all stay healthy. Let's cross our fingers Knock on wood, hopefully they can all stay healthy. And having these different play calls and the, and, and the dynamic of using these, these couple guys, I think, will help them later in the season. So I wouldn't be too worried about it. I don't get why people are up in arms. I think it's all a matter of the play calling and who belongs in, in, in which space. Former Eagles quarterback Nick Foles was injured for half for um is out indefinitely after breaking his clavicle yesterday after throwing an incredible touchdown throw oh look it up beautiful and he was hurt and uh, I mean I just feel bad for Nick he has been through a lot this offseason obviously he's trying to prove it right with his team and he's playing really hard and he gets hit and it wasn't a you know it wasn't a flagrant hit it just happened, and, you know, he fell and broke his clavicle, and I'm wishing the speedy recovery. I want to see him out there. And today the, Steeler, the Steelers traded, you know, their second-string second quarterback to the Jaguars for a 2020 um, um, pick to see what he does, and hopefully he can keep the Jaguars in contention, you know, as Nick Foles recovers, and I hope he gets back at least half the season. It's just heartbreaking for a guy who, as a Philly fan, we, we truly all love because of what he did to City, but also as a guy, he just seems like an incredible person. So prayers up to you, Nick. Um, what an awful way to start the season, but what an incredible touchdown pass. Um, quick recovery. Now I'm going to jump into some Phillies talk. So if you've been focusing on the Eagles and not the Phillies this past weekend, I really don't blame you considering the Phillies have been on these, you know, roller coaster games. And Friday night, I was watching it at the bar with my friend, and I was like, okay... If they walk in a runner, it's bottom ninth, bases loaded. If they walk in a runner here, I will literally scream. And what do they do? They walked in a runner. I mean, the Phillies make it hard, sometimes rude for them when they do these things that you're like, how do they do this one night? And then the next night, they're hitting 10, they have 10 hits and 15 runs. It just doesn't make any sense. Um, but somehow, there's still two games back in the wild card. So I commend the Phillies for hanging in there. Um, they're also behind the Diamondbacks. Um, and the and the Cubs and Nationals have the two um, clinching spots right now that would play for the game at the end of September. So, I mean, anything can happen. The Cubs have been dropping a little bit. Hopefully they can drop a little bit more. The Diamondbacks drop, and we can slide in there. And maybe Nash maybe uh, Washington will drop out of there, too. Who knows? Obviously, there's been a lot of hate around Gabe Kapler lately of his decisions during, you know, in play calling during the game. And I agree. There's a lot of if ands, or buts about his play calling. But I think he's not the whole reason. I think, yes, and it comes down to it, he, he, he puts, you know, who in the game. But I also think that it's not the GM's problem. They've just had tons of injuries. And their players need to step up and play better. There's no excuse for them. A lot of them take ownership for it. Um, you know, Vinny Velasquez, again, pitched, eh. But they still ended up getting the win yesterday on, on a great day. Thank goodness they got the win. They took two or three from the Mets. They pushed the Mets far, down farther in the wild card. Um, and they were able to settle back into two instead of three and a half. I think they were out. So, I mean, 
I don't think it's all Gabe's fault, and they're definitely not going to fire Gabe, I'll tell you that now. They're not going to fire him in the offseason, they're not going to fire Matt Clentak because they've just begun kind of establishing it, their bases. And Gabe talks very well, he's always one to defend his men, and, you know, tell them, you know, tell everyone, oh, it's okay, but I think you're going to start seeing a side of Gabe and a side of the players as the next 20 games go on, as of what they truly are and who they truly are as a team. They need to prove it now. If they want to get into the playoffs, they want to prove that their season wasn't a waste, if their hype, their very hyped-up season wasn't a waste. So, again, I don't blame Gabe Kapler totally. Sure, I don't agree with a lot of his decisions, but I'm not blaming him or Clentac in this instance. Um, another, you know, into Rice Harper. He... It's a tough cookie. That's all I can really say. He he got hit in the hand, straight on the top of the hand, um, by a ball on Friday night. Didn't play Saturday, Sunday, but expected to be okay tonight against the Braves as they begin a three-game series, you know, against their their rival, which which is a very crucial series. Um, hopefully they can they can bring their end game. But he's back in tonight, and you know he is there when the Phillies need them. That's what you wanted a guy. Sure, he he just hit his he got his hundredth. 101, 101 RBI, the most of his career, and people still say he didn't live up to expectations. The guy is doing great for what his first season. Um, he still has 20 games left to you know top it off at least. And when he's in there, it's a different game, not just by running scores, but just by mentality of the guys. And I think this is something to say about him and and how the team you know takes him. Now I don't really think that it's an issue of if the players are going to affect the rest of the season. Yes, they hit the ball. They're the ones who score the runs. But honestly, honestly, the bullpen is something that needs to be fixed. And if anything that's scrutinized about the season, it's as if the Clentac did not get a bullpen, um, get get starting rotationed when he needed it. And if he does not pick up people in the offseason for his bullpen, as he knows that a couple of them will be out in the 2020 season too, and starting pitchers, we only have really one reliable one, then um, then he definitely will go. Um, but that, that testimonial to what he thinks he needs to fi- fix in the bullpen. But that's the one thing that I would criticize him on, is not going out and getting more pitching at the All-Star break, because there's pitchers out there, and even not the best. He picked up Smiley, picked up Vargas, but they're not good enough. They're not guys that are going to take you deep into games and, you know, guys that you can trust on the playoff run, playoff run. They're just average. So honestly, let's just hope for the best of the bullpen. There's nothing much else that, you know, they can do the Philly staff or, you know, watch and hope that they don't allow 15 runs a game and that we actually, we actually can have a chance to play in the wild card game because the Braves are almost clinched. I've almost clinched it, which they will. And the Nats are a little bit farther ahead too. But, you know, who knows anything can happen in September baseball. And I'm just looking forward to seeing if the Phils can really make a run because I think they can. You know, I'm a glass half full kind of gal. I really think that the Phils can make a run. And I know that people may not be paying attention as much because the bird season started yesterday, which I, like I said before, I get. But I think that people should, that if the city can really rally around this team in the next coming days, that there can be something special that Bruce, you know, in that clubhouse. And I quick want to touch on professional running talk because, you know, yesterday was the Fifth Avenue Mile. And if you're into running, and if not, you should definitely look into 
just following it, even if you're, you know, not a very competitive one, you just like to run in general, because yesterday was the Fifth Avenue Mile. In fact, anyone can run in the Fifth Avenue Mile. Um, you just got to sign up, and there's many groups and waves, and obviously there's an elite field, and I love the elite field, because one of my favorite runners and role models um, is Jenny Simpson. She's just, she, prior to this race, she's had seven titles in the Fifth Avenue Mile. Um, she has the, she had the course record, you know, in her early 30s, an incredible person seems like, and she's just someone you root for. Obviously, she has a bronze in the Olympics, in the 1500, in 16, and she also um, won Mas Moscow, the Golden Moscow in the 1500, and she's a fighter. She's been in the sport for a long time, and she's someone that I think anybody can really look up to, and that's why I really look up to her. And again, she got her eighth title. Let me tell you, her and L. Um, Purrier of New Balance Boston, so two New Balance athletes, obviously trained different spots, but both run for the same company. Um, we're fighting it out basically the whole time. At about a little bit before the halfway mark, they did split off, and they were running neck and neck, and I don't know, it was so tight, it was like, it was, you know, it was like, so I was, I was like biting my, uh, my tongue, I was so nervous, and Jenny ended up coming in at 4.16.2, they both actually ran 4.16.2, and Jenny leaned at the, at, the, at the tape, and got it, and it is the new course record, and absolutely phenomenal, um, her husband, just put it in perspective, ran a 4.15 in, in just the regular race, I mean, just 4.16 for a woman is incredible, and it's, I can't wait to see what they do in Doha in a few weeks, you don't know, the World Championships in track and field are every two years. Olympics are every four. So this year, the championships are in um, Doha, Qatar. And I'm so excited to see um, the U.S. athletes compete there in many running events, 1,500 steeple in 5K and um, on the field too in track. So check those out. That's in a couple weeks in Doha on NBC. Obviously, on the men's side, Nick Willis got his fifth title, and what a finish. If you look at the photo, he literally, same thing, leaned at the finish, just beat out his competitors, and there's a guy who's holding the tape there um, for both pictures whose face is priceless. Who you zoom, If you zoom in, they zoomed in on it um, all over Twitter today, but priceless face as he looks and sees these competitors fighting it out and gritting and everything they got to, to this finish. Um, it's just a really fun race to watch as a fan because it's so quick, and it, it's so pure and gritty, and it's all road, and it's not track, and it's just something different to watch, and the time's really true to what their shape is, and these athletes are using, a lot of them are using this race as an either final race of their season, or just to tune up for um, Doha, and I'm so excited to see, like I said before, them compete at the World Championships, it's such a fun thing to watch as a fan. But, you know, that's all the time we have for today. Again, reply to my, um, you know, reply to my tweet or my Facebook message or wherever you saw this. Um, just let me know what you think. Do you think the Phils will reach the the playoffs? Will they make it to the wild card round? And will they be able to win the wild card round if they even do make it? Are these 20 games going to go well for them? Or will they tank and fall off and not make it? And uh, next week, the Eagles play the Falcons away. Um, some predictions. Let me know. Um, what you think, Matt Ryan, obviously, will face off against Matt Ryan again, which would be the Philly native is, is always a good time. So, again, this is Kirsten. Thanks for listening to the Philly Sports Angle podcast. See you next week.